The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Creep Show. That's Ashley. I'm Sarah. What's happening, everybody? I'm really tired today because I have a new kitty. Because we had to put our my old, old, old kitty Daisy May down. But we have a new kitty, and she's seven and a half months old, and it's like having a fucking toddler. <laughs> she tried to get me up at four o'clock this morning, and I said, "Oh no, young." grasshopper that's not going to happen <laughs> so we spent the last like two hours watching tiktok because why not <laughs> why not so i think tonight we're going to talk about h.h holmes have you heard of h.h holmes no, I okay um well his real name is herman webster mudget which is a great name no wonder uh, he changed his name so he may have killed as many as 200 people it all happened uh, about three miles west of the 19, or 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. Uh, besides, well, part of it did anyway, but um, besides being a seri- serial killer, Holmes was also a con artist, a trigamist, and the subject of more than 50 lawsuits in Chicago alone. Um, and he was executed on May 7, 1896. Uh, nine days before his 35th birthday, so he's our age, and he looks like that. He looks like he's 60, but he's fucking 34, which is like... Oh, I mean, you got some back in those days. If you lived to 34 back in eight, Holy 1800... shit, man! Congratulations! <laughs> you made it to, to retirement! <laughs> you made it to fucking retirement! So, um, H.H. H. Holmes, or Herman Webster Mudgett, was born in Gilmanton, New Hampshire, um, in the in United States. On May 16th, 1861, to Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price, both of whom were descended from the first English immigrants in the area. Mudgett was his parents' third-born child. He had an older sister, Ellen, an older brother, Arthur, a younger brother, Henry, and a younger sister, Mary. Holmes' father was from a farming family, and at times he worked as a farmer, tra- farmer trader, and house painter. His parents were devout Methodists. Later attempts to fit Holmes into the patterns seen in modern serial killers have described him torturing animals and suffering from abuse at the hands of a violent father, but con- uh, contemporary and eyewitness accounts of his childhood do not prove uh, provide proof either. So like, like Delmas Colvin, he didn't really show um, the signs of a serial killer. Most serial killers will have signs symptoms, if you will, of being a, f- a killer, a killer in the future by killing and torturing animals as a kid or having, like, very violent episodes as a kid, trying to harm their siblings, you know. So at the age of 16, Holmes graduated from Philip Exeter Academy and took teaching jobs in Gilmanton and later in nearby Alton. On July 4th, 1878, he married Clara Lovering in Alton. Their son, Robert Lovering Mudgett, was born on February 3rd, 1880 in London, Loudoun, New Hampshire. Holmes enrolled in the University of Vermont in Burlington uh, at age 18. Dissatisfied, dis, dissatisfied, dissatisfied with the school and left after one year. 
1882, he entered the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery and graduated in 1884. While enrolled, he worked in the anatomy lab under Professor Herdman, then the chief anatomy instructor. Herms had apprenticed in New Hampshire under Nahum, Nahum White, a noted advocate of human dissection. Years later, when Holmes was suspected of murder and claimed to be nothing but an insurance fraudster, he admitted to using cadavers to defraud life insurance companies several times in college. How it was so easy to get away with shit back in the day, like because there were no records, there were no files, like you could just take a fucking body and be like, it's my cousin, he had me on his will, you know. Housemates described Holmes as treating Clara violently, and in 1884. Before his graduation, she moved back to New Hampshire and later wrote she knew little of him afterwards. After he moved to Moore's Forks, New York, a rumor spread that Holmes had been seen with a little boy who later disappeared. Holmes claimed the boy went back to his home in Massachusetts and no investigation took place and Holmes quickly left, left town. He later traveled to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and got a job as a keeper at Norriston State Hospital but quit after a few days. He later took a position at a drugstore in Philadelphia but while he was working there, a boy died after taking medicine that was purchased at the store. Holmes denied any involvement in the child's death and immediately left the city. Right before moving to Chicago, he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes, or H.H. Holmes, to avoid the possibility of being exposed by victims of his previous scams. Triple H. (laughs) 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 For those of you who don't know anything about wrestling, you're like, um, Ah! what? (laughs) As an old wrestler now, he's, is he still the C? I don't know if he's still wrestling, but he's like the, the the CEO or COO. COO. Yeah. The Vince McMahon, what Vince McMahon was. Right, right. That guy. Time to play the game. Time (laughs) to play the game. (laughs) Oh, I ordered something? Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Anywho, in his confession after his arrest, Holmes claimed he had killed his former medical school classmate, Robert Leacock, in 1886. (laughs) We're 12 years old. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> well, 12 trapped in 30-year-old bodies. Yep. Uh, four inch, it's better than being a 30-year-old body stuck in a 12-year-old. Oh, I'm not a priest. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You ready for a dirty joke? I'm sorry if you're... Ca- I'm actually not sorry if you're Catholic. Fuck you. Um, I don't care. I'm pagan. Fuck you. My, my grandma um, dodged that bullet. <laughs> What do you call a reverse exorcism? It's when the devil comes and takes the priest out of a child. Mm. Oh, oh my god. Suck on that, Catholics. Anywho, uh in his <laughs> Um so he yeah, he killed Robert Leacock in 1886 for insurance money. Leacock, however, died in Waterford, Ontario in Canada on October 5th, so he actually didn't fucking kill him. Uh, in late 1886, while still married to Clara, Holmes married Murda Bell Belknap. Sure, on Oct- in, uh, in October 1862. Oh wait, no, that's not right. She was born in October 1862 um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He filed from divorce from Clara a few weeks after marrying Murder. Murder. <laughs> I am so tired. I'm sorry. 
oh after, after marrying Murda, <laughs> alleging infidelity on her part, claims could not be proven and the suit went nowhere. Surviving paperwork indicated she probably was never even informed of the suit. In any case, the divorce was never finalized. It was dismissed on June 4th, 1891 on the grounds of want of prosecution. Holmes had a daughter with Murda, Lucy Theodate Holmes, who was born on July 4th, 1889 in Inglewood, Chicago, Illinois. Um, Murda and Lucy in Wilmette, Illinois, and spent, wait, hang on, Holmes lived with Murda and Lucy in Wilmette, Illinois, and spent most of his time in Chicago tending to business. Holmes married Georgiana Yoke on January 17th, 1894 in Denver, Colorado, while still married to both Clara and Murda. He came across Elizabeth S. Holton's drugstore at the northwest corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Inglewood. Holton gave Holmes a job and he proved to be a hardworking employee, eventually buying the store. Which, why are you working there? You can just buy the store. Yeah, buy the store. Why? Fucking hell. Why? Um, if I had H.H. Holmes money, I'd just buy everything. Yeah. <laughs> Although several books portray Holton's husband as an old man who quickly vanished along with his wife, Dr. Holton was a fellow Michigan alum, uh, only a few years older than Holmes, and both Holton's uh, remained in Inglewood throughout Holmes' life and survived well into the 20th century. It is a myth that they were killed by Holmes. So, Holmes purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore where construction began in 1887 for a two-story mixed-use building with apartments on the second floor um, and retail spaces including a new drugstore on the first. When Holmes declined to pay the architects or the steel company, Aetna Iron and Steel, they sued in 1888. In 1892, he added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers he intended to use it as a hotel during the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition or World's Fair. Uh, through the hotel portion, or though the hotel portion was never completed, furniture suppliers found Holmes was hiding their materials for which he had never paid in hidden rooms and passages throughout the building. Many of the rooms were outfitted with chutes that would drop straight down to the basement where Holmes had acid vats, quicklime, and a crematorium to dispose of his victims' bodies. Their search made the news and investors for the planned hotel pulled out of the deal when a jeweler, jeweler, jeweler in the building showed them the articles. The hotel was gutted by a fire, by a fire started by an unknown arsonist. Hmm, wonder who that was. Shortly after, Holmes was arrested, but was largely rebuilt and used as a post office until 1938. In 1892, the hotel was somewhat completed with three stories in the basement. The first floor was the storefront. The second story consisted of his elaborate torture rooms, which contained a chute that led to the basement. The third floor held more apartment rooms. In 1894, some police officers inspected the hotel while Holmes was out. During the inspection, they found some rooms with hinged walls and false partitions, rooms linked with, linked with secret passageways and even airtight rooms that were connected to pipelines lines filled with gas, which Holmes used as gas chambers. Holmes would use chutes to deliver the bodies to the basement, and once there, he made use of surgical tables and an array of medical tools to dissect them 
before selling their organs and bones on the black market to and to medical institutions. One of Holmes' early murder victims was his mistress, Julia Smythe. Smith? Smythe? I'm not sure. Uh, she was... <laughs> it's, with, it's like Smith with a Y instead of I. Oh, okay. And then T-H-E. So it could be Smith or Smythe. I'm not sure. Um, but she was the wife of Ned Connor who had moved into Holmes' building and began working at his pharmacy's jewelry counter. After Connor found out about Smith's affair with Holmes, he quit his job and moved away, leaving Smith and her daughter Pearl behind. Smith gained custody of Pearl and remained at the hotel, continuing her relationship with Holmes. Julia and Pearl disappeared on Christmas Eve, 1891, and Holmes later claimed she had died during an abortion, uh, though what truly happened to the two was never confirmed. Another likely Holmes paramour, Emmeline Sagrande, uh, began working in the building in May 1892 and disappeared that December. Another woman who vanished, Edna Van Tassel, is also believed to have been working among the Holmes victims. Working? Where did I get working from? Is also to... I am so tired. Is also believed to have been among Holmes victims. While working in the chemical bank building on Dearborn Street, Holmes met and became close friends with Benjamin Petzel, P. P. Petzel? I don't know, a carpenter with a criminal past who was exhibiting uh, in the same building, a coal bin he had invented. Holmes used, in early 1893, a one-time actress named Minnie Williams moved to Chicago. Holmes claimed to have met her in, in an employment office, though there were rumors he had met her in Boston years earlier. He offered her a job at the hotel as his personal stenographer and she accepted. Holmes persuaded Williams to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas to a man named Alexander Bond, aka H.H. Holmes. Alexander Bond was an alias of Holmes. In in April 1893, Williams transferred the deed with Holmes serving as the notary. Holmes later signed the deed over to Pitezel, I don't know, giving him the alias Benton T. Lyman. The next month, Holmes and Williams, presenting themselves as man and wife, rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Minnie's sister, Annie, came to visit, and in July, she wrote to her aunt that she planned to accompany Brother Harry to Europe. Neither Minnie nor Annie were seen alive after July 5, 1893. Holmes had an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, I cannot say that word, <laughs> entrepreneurial, I can't say that word, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, <laughs> based on his former medical education and connections, he was able to sell skeletons to medical labs in school, he and sometimes a hired assistant were accused of, this is why we don't get many listeners, because we're fucking crackheads. He and sometimes a hired assistant were accused of stripping the flesh off the bodies, hmm, dissect, dissecting them, and preparing the viable skeletons. Uh, the rest of the remains would be tossed in pits of lime or acid, and no, not the fruit. Um, yeah. Effectively I breaking down. Thought you meant the fruit. Like, they, <laughs> they, they, he puts lime on them. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a little extra I'm, flavor. Yeah, I'm gonna put <laughs> a little cilantro and make a long pig yeah. salsa. <laughs> like a little cilantro. <laughs> Pits of lime or acid effectively breaking down the remaining evidence. With insurance companies pressing to prosecu- prosecute Holmes for arson, Holmes left Chicago in July 1894. 
He reappeared in Fort Worth, where he had inherited property from the Williams sisters, located at the intersection of modern-day Commerce Street and 2nd Street. There, he sought to construct another castle along the lines of his Chicago operation, once again swindling a number of suppliers. In July 1894, Holmes was arrested and briefly jailed for the first time on the charge of selling mortgaged goods in St. Louis, Missouri. He was promptly bailed out, but while in jail, he struck up a conversation with a convicted outlaw named Marion Hedgepeth, uh, who was serving a 25-year sentence. Holmes had concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of $10,000, which is equivalent to $296,000 in 2019, by taking out a policy on himself and then faking his debt. Holmes promised Hedgepeth a $500 commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted. Holmes was directed to a young St. Louis attorney named Jephtha Howe, Howe was in practice with his older brother, Alfonso Howe, who had no involvement with Holmes or Patezel or their fraudulent activities. Jephtha Howe, however, found Holmes' scheme brilliant. Nevertheless, Holmes' plan to fake his own death failed, and when the insurance company became suspicious and refused to pay, Holmes did not press the claim. Instead, he concocted a similar plan with Patezel. Patezel agreed to fake his own death so that his wife could collect on a $10,000 life insurance policy, which we sh- which she was to split with Holmes and Jephtha. The scheme, which was to take place in Philadelphia, called for Pedezel to set himself up as an inventor under the name B.F. Perry and then be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. Holmes was to find an appropriate cadaver to play the role of Pedezel. Instead, Holmes killed Patezel by knocking him unconscious with chloroform and setting his body on fire with the use of benzene. In his confession, Holmes implied that Patezel was still alive after he used the chloroform on him prior to being set on fire. However, uh, forensic evidence presented at Holmes' later trial showed chloroform had been administered after Patezel's death, a fact in which the insurance company was unaware of presumably uh, to fake a suicide to exonerate Holmes should he be charged with murder. Holmes collected the insurance payout on the basis of the genuine Patezel corpse. Uh, Holmes then went on to manipulate Patezel's unsuspecting wife into allowing three of her four, f- three of her five children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, to be in his custody. The eldest daughter and the baby remained with Mrs. Patezel, Holmes and the three Patezel, which you quit saying Patezel, Patezel's children traveled throughout the northern United States and into Canada. Simultaneously, he escorted Mrs. Patezel along a parallel route, all the while using various aliases and lying to Mrs. Patezel concerning her husband's death, claiming Patezel was hiding in London, as well as lying to her about the true whereabouts of her three missing children. In Detroit, just prior to entering Canada, they were only separated by a few blocks. And an even more audacious, 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 audacity. Holmes was staying at another location with his wife, who was unaware of the whole affair. Holmes would later confess to murdering Alice and Nellie by forcing them into a large trunk and locking them inside. He drilled a, he drilled, he drilled a hole in the lid of the trunk and put one end of a hose through the hole, attaching the other end to a gas line to asphyxiate the girls. Holmes buried their nude bodies in the cellar of his rental house at 16 Vincent Street in Toronto. 
This home and address no longer exist, St. Vincent Street having long since been realigned into a part of Bay Street. Frank Geyer, a Philadelphia police detective, detective <laughs> assigned to investigate homes and find the three missing children, found the decomposed bodies of the two Patezel girls in the cellar of the Toronto home. Detective Geyer wrote, The deeper we dug, the more horrible the odor became, and when we reached the depth of the three feet, we discovered what appeared to be the bone of a forearm of a human being. Geyer then went to Indianapolis, where Holmes had rented a cottage. Holmes was reported to have visited a local pharmacy to purchase the drug, which he used to kill young Howard Patezel, and a repair shop to sharpen the knives he used to chop up the body before he burned it. The boy's teeth and bits of bone were discovered in the Holmes chimney. Holmes' murder spree finally ended when he was arrested in Boston on November 17, 1894, after being tracked there from Philadelphia by the Pinkertons. He was held on an outstanding warrant for horse theft in Texas, as the authorities had become more suspicious at this point, and Holmes appeared poised to flee the country in the company of his unsuspecting third wife. Following the discovery of Alice and Nellie's bodies in July 1895, Chicago police and reporters began investigating Holmes' building in Inglewood, now locally referred to as the Castle. Though uh, many sensational claims were made, no evidence was found which could have connect or convicted Holmes in Chicago. According to Seltzer, uh, stories of torture equipment found in the building are 20th century fiction. In October 1895, Holmes was put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Patezel and was found guilty and sentenced to death. By then, it was evident Holmes had also murdered the three missing children. Following his conviction, Holmes confessed to 27 murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto, though some persons he confessed to murdering were still alive, and six attempted murders. Holmes was paid $7,500 worth $230,000 today by the Hearst newspaper in exchange for his confession, which was quickly found to be mostly nonsense. So not only is he a murderer, but he's full of shit. Mm. Holmes gave various contradictory accounts of his life, initially claiming innocence and later that he was possessed by Satan. His propensity for lying has made it difficult for researchers to ascertain the truth on the basis of his statements. While writing his confession in prison, Holmes mentioned how drastically his facial appearance had changed since his imprisonment. He described his new grim appearance as gruesome and taking a satanical cast, and wrote he was now convinced that after everything he had done, he was beginning to resemble the devil. On May 7th, 1896, Holmes was hanged at the, oh dear God, Moya Mensing prison also known as the Philadelphia County Prison. Why can't you just fucking call it that? Why can't you just For the murder of Patezel. Until the moment of his death, Holmes remained calm and amiable, showing very few signs of fear, anxiety, or depression. Despite this, he asked for his coffin to be contained in the cement and buried ten feet deep because he was concerned grave robbers would steal his body and use it for dissection. Um, Holmes' neck did not snap, but instead he strangled to death slowly, twitching for over 15 minutes before being pronounced dead 20 minutes after the trap had been sprung, which sounds like a great day. Wow. 
on New Year's Eve 1909, Hedgepeth, who had been pardoned for his for informing on Holmes, was shot and killed by police officer Edward Jabaric Jabaric during a holdup at a Chicago saloon. On March 7th, 1914, the Chicago Tribune reported that with the death of Patrick Quinlan, the former caretaker of the castle, the mysteries of the Holmes castle would remain unexplained. Quinlan had committed suicide. His body was found in his bedroom with a note that read, I couldn't sleep. Quinlan's surviving relatives claimed he had been haunted for several months and was suffering from hallucinations. The castle itself was mysteriously gutted by fire in August 1895. According to a newspaper clipping from the New York Times, two men were seen entering the back of the building between 8 and 9 p.m. About a half hour later, they were seen exiting the building and rapidly running away. Following several explosions, the castle went up in flames. Afterwards, investigators found a a half-empty gas can underneath the back steps of the building. The building survived the fire and remained in use until it was torn down in 1938. The site is occupied by the Inglewood branch of the United States Postal Service. In 2017, amid allegations, Holmes had, in fact, escaped execution. Holmes' body was exhumed for testing led by Janet Mong of the University of Pennsylvania Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology. Due to his coffin being contained in cement, his body was found not to have decomposed normally. His clothes were almost perfectly preserved and his mustache was found to be intact. The body was positively identified by his teeth and being that of Holmes, Holmes was then reburied. Um, The case was notorious in its time and received wide publicity in the international press. He was, this story has been featured on quite a few, um, like, murder shows and stuff and podcasts and, um, it's been the inspiration for a few episodes of different shows, which I don't have the shows here. I thought I did, but they're not here. So whatever. Yeah, that's H.H. Holmes. He's fucking crazy. He's full of shit and he's a murderer. So, Yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening. I'm tired as hell. I'm going to go play with my cat and have a good night. Stay creepy, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.